You're listening to The Aligned and Free Show, a spiritually infused personal development podcast for the ambitious woman. Our passion is to help you align with who you really are, what you really want, and to free yourself from the BS that's holding you back so that you can manifest your very own magical life. We talk about manifestation, of course, spirituality, wellness, mindset shifts, business, and so much more. I'm your host, Shakia Mayer, licensed mental health clinician, speaker, and spiritual mindset coach. All right, let's get into it. Today, we have Sherry Timko on the show. Sherry is a couples relationship coach who teaches couples how to use simple habits to build their relationship so that it continues to grow even when they are putting their energy towards other goals. She's been a psychotherapist specializing in couples counseling for almost 20 years and married for over 20 years. In this episode, we discuss healthy relationship habits and three core systems to help relationships function well. If you want to learn more about breaking unhelpful relationship patterns, this episode is for you. So you are a psychotherapist and you are also a relationship coach. And if you can just share a little bit about what the relationship coach aspect looks like. Yeah, the relationship coach has come out of my own pandemic pondering. Um, I realized that I wanted to take my message to a much broader audience than I can do in the psychotherapy room. So the coaching is that I am taking that expertise and turning it into support and educational programs to support couples who want to have really extraordinary relationships, not just everything's okay, but they actually want to have a relationship where they feel connected and close and it functions well. Since, you know, the show was called the Align and Free Show, I'm always curious about people's versions of alignment for whatever it is they do, right? And so from your perspective, what's an aligned relationship between between couple or within a, a um, dynamic? relationship dynamic? For me, what I have learned is that a relationship, when it works the best, is the intersection of two different personalities. It's not supposed to be one person melding to the other. It's really the intersection of two distinctly different people. And that having an aligned and and a close relationship is about figuring out how to live well with each other while keeping that individual personality. So it is going to look different from person to person because anytime you put two personalities together, you're going to get a different picture Mm -hmm. of how they work well together. Yeah. And so when you're in a relationship, um, whether you are in a committed relationship or you are married, which is also a committed relationship, uh, but for those of us who are not married, but in committed relationships, maintaining that sense of self um, is extremely important. But for a lot of people, can be difficult. I'll just share this with you. I was having a conversation with a friend of mine who uh, she's recently married and we were talking about whether or not she was going to change her last name. 
And she's like, why do I have to change my last name? And for her, she feels very comfortable with with her last name and, and identifying as who she has always been, right? And so I think, it, and, and this is an important conversation for a lot of couples, right? They have these conversations on who's going to change their last name. But for me, it, it's just an example of how when we're in a relationship with another person, especially one we care deeply for, we sometimes forget how to still hold on to those individual aspects. So I'm curious what you would say to somebody who is struggling with maintaining that sense of individual self within a relationship. So I can identify with that struggle. I had to decide what to do with my last name mm -hmm. and I did keep mine. So we had lots of discussions about what that meant. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think that's kind of the, the, the couple aspect of it is that having those conversations is how you really understand where each other is coming from. So that communication piece. Now, as to your question, how do you maintain that separateness? This is, this is always a struggle. It's one of the challenges that couples have to work through. And it's almost set up that we're supposed to have some trouble with this. Because when we first start dating someone, all those endorphins, all that, that, gain, that brain chemistry that makes us want to be the same, makes mm -hmm. us want to like dive deep into that relationship. And then as the, as the, chemical storm and ties down that that initial attraction that just bowls us over um, we have to make sure that that foundation of the relationship is there and so it makes sense in every relationship that people are going to dive deep and then like pull apart mm. and that's where they have to figure out how they're going to be themselves and still be with this other person mm -hmm. so there's not a universal what that should look like some couples almost entirely overlap each other and other couples like barely overlap they're much more their individual selves mm -hmm. and so you're looking for what is that balance where both of you feel like this works for me and this works for you mm -hmm. yeah and I feel like that part is super important when you take into consideration what works for the other person as well versus only thinking about what works for you. So for some people, if they're you know listening to this conversation and as we're talking about, well, how can you maintain that sense of self, maintain that your individual self, it's not erasing the dynamic that you have with your partner, it's allowing you to still be a full person, but you're also, and you're also looking at how can we grow as a unit versus how is this only going to work for me? Yeah. How you, how you navigate that matters so much mm -hmm. because you're supposed to be allies in both of you having the best possible life. Mm -hmm. You're supposed to build each other up and help each other grow and allow room for each of you to change in the ways that you need to. But that also means that you, for most couples, they can't just 
embrace the roles that they saw their parents have or other adults in their life. They've got to actually think, all right, this works for me. This doesn't work for me. We tried it that way. Uh, that didn't that didn't feel real good. How do we like create this new thing that is really about the two of us mm-hmm. and not all these other examples? Yeah, I think that's so important because many of us, we will either want to be in relationships because of the type of relationships we saw, or we want to stay as far away from them because of the types of relationships we saw. And what you said in terms of being allies, right, we need to look at this as a partnership. We're in this together. And regardless of the type of relationships our parents had or grandparents had, it doesn't necessarily mean that that's the same thing we're going to have if we're willing to break some of those unhealthy patterns that we saw. I think that's such an important message to get across to people. And stay engaged in a process of change. You're not trying to find what works and then have that just be what you do for the rest of your lives. Mm-hmm. This is a, a, a changing and melding process. So when you find something that works, you're really saying this works for us right now. There's, mm-hmm. There could come a time in the future when we need to revisit this and, and see if it doesn't work for us anymore. Yeah. Ah, yes. Ah, you know, I'm sorry. It's like so many things that are going off, so many things that I want to talk about. So I'm doing my best to say, Shakia, keep focused. (laughs) (laughs) But it's so, that part is key, the change, the willingness to grow with each other. So what worked at the beginning of a 10-year relationship may not work for year 11 and being okay with that. Yeah, seeing it as a process. You don't arrive Mm -hmm. at your marriage. You move Mm -hmm. into the stage of your marriage or committed relationship. You move into that commitment as a process. Mm. So what would you say are some of the habits of a healthy dynamic, of a healthy relationship? All right. So I love this relationship habit piece. Because once it became clear to me, I knew that this is something so straightforward and simple that everyone can understand and start implementing immediately. Okay. What I have noticed is that most couples do the nice things for each other when they feel like it. When they feel that outpouring of love or kindness or connection, then they do nice things for each other. And what I realized is that it's when you're out of sync or when you've had an argument that your relationship actually needs you to do those nice things more. Mm. Okay. So if you think about having some habits, so you can have good habits and you can have bad habits in your relationship. If you think about maybe some of the ways you miss each other, those are the bad habits you know, looking at your phone while you're talking, or just not picking up on a conversation, or not doing that nice thing that your partner really appreciates. Like those are bad habits. If you have good habits, those can be equally automated, but they build the relationship 
without having to work so hard at having a good relationship. So a, a habit is a very, usually a very small touch point in your day where you have the possibility of connecting with your partner. Now these are these are tiny things that hardly seem like they matter. So lots of people are like, well, they don't they don't matter that much. So we don't care about that. Mm-hmm. There are things like saying good morning, bringing your partner a cup of coffee in the morning, having a moment before you guys leave for the day where you check in with each other. It's checking in at the end of the day, the end of the work day, or having dinner together, or having something that you do at the end of the night that says, this is the end of the night. Now, what you're looking for are the things that matter the most to you or to your partner, or hopefully both of you care equally about it. But you're looking for those things that are easy to put in. And the reason to make them a habit is because you you don't have to then find space for those things. You don't have to plan them. They're just what you do. So if if your habit is in the morning, you bring your partner a cup of coffee, some mornings you're going to be like, but other mornings you might bring more energy to that. It's going to be like, hey, here's your coffee. What's on on your plate for the day? How's it look? How's your day going to look? And bring that energy where you can actually feel connected to one another. But if you only do that on days when you have that energy, then you don't think to do it. Mm. So when it's a habit, you really only need one or two of those days a week to feel like it matters. Like the other days, you can have that lower energy interaction. But by the end of the year, you have invested 50 or 100 times in this little thing that makes you feel connected and makes you feel like this is what the two of you do. This is who you are. I think that's great because if, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to be honest, I'm one of those people where I'm like, oh, I don't feel like it today. <laughs> the feelings are very important for me. And so if we start to take these things that we may see a small or like, oh, that doesn't matter. But remembering that, remembering to incorporate them into our, our day, into our daily habits, our daily routine, how that can help to form this cohesive unit, right? Because it's it's the little things that add up that that creates this bigger picture. So I, I think that's great and easy to do. It's not right. like you have to go out and buy something. <laughs> Right. This is not, this is not hard. It's low hanging fruit. Mm. And when you have several of these in your day, you actually can almost automate your relationship. Now you still have to bring some energy to your connecting events, Mm -hmm. but if your partner knows that they have your attention, even for five minutes at these different anchor points, then it's much easier to be able to go out and do the things that let you be you because that security and that safety is built into the relationship. And it does kind of run on autopilot in the background because you don't have to intentionally think about it. You just have to show up at the Mm -hmm. right times. 
I was with a friend recently and we were talking about, I don't even remember what it was, something that was in the news of pop culture. I was saying to her, I feel like we make a choice to be in love. We make a choice to to stay in love. And so as I'm listening to you speak, it reminds me of that, the choices that we make so that we can maintain a healthy relationship, a committed relationship, a loving relationship. But it doesn't only have to be, well, I fell in love with this person. I fell out of love with this person, but that we can make choices on the type of relationship we want. And this is not to say that some relationships, you know, don't end because they do. Um, and we can work at them as much as we see fit. Um, but we get to we get to make that choice on whether or not we're going to do the work to stay in the relationship, or if it's run its course, it's run its course. There wasn't well, a question in there. I apologize, but <laughs> no, no, that's that's all that's all good stuff. What occurs to me is the rest of this story. Now, I think it, relationship habits give you quick wins and they stabilize the relationship. But the other two, there's like three systems that have to work well for couples to have good relationships. And what you just mentioned is people fall out of love. Now, uh, this is an unpopular opinion. I know. I don't think people fall out of love. I think more than that, they let the other two systems um, bring too much resentment and frustration and bitterness, and it really dampens and blocks that love. Now, you may still choose that this isn't a good relationship because it doesn't bring out the best in the both of you, but that's kind of a side issue to this. In order to have a good relationship, I believe you need three systems to function well. You need good relationship habits. You need a way to work through differences between the two of you. And you need a way to clean up messes when they happen. So the, the relationship habits is the easiest to say, here, just start go doing this stuff. Just try this tiny little thing and notice if it makes a difference. If it doesn't, pick a different tiny little thing. And what people see is that they start to get traction in the relationship and start to see it get back on course. But those other two systems are really important because when they don't function well, that's when you have all of the hurt feelings and the bitterness and the frustration that then puts a damper on that love. Yeah. And no, I agree with you. I agree with you in terms of um, the unpopular opinion of the, of the not falling out of love. Um, but can you recap those other two systems for me? Yeah. The second system is a way to work through disagreements. So when that works well, either person can bring up something that they think is not working well. And they will talk that through until they get to a solution. Now, a solution doesn't mean we do it my way or we do it your way. A solution means that we come up with a solution that we can both get behind. We've, you know, maybe we've looked at a bunch of solutions. And this is maybe not the way I would do it if it were me on my own. Mm-hmm. But it's one that I can get behind and say, all right, I support this as the solution to this. Okay, now often couples will divert into an argument instead of having a conversation. There's mm-hmm. lots of reasons why that happens. Um, 
But the idea of that system is they have to have a process to get from a problem to something they both can support. Now, um, just as a side note to that, if you have an argument, that means that there is a conversation that you didn't have. Instead, mm -hmm. you had an argument. Mm -hmm. So if you don't circle back around to that discussion that you didn't have, then you're, you're setting yourself up for another <laughs> argument <laughs> because you didn't have the conversation you needed to have. Mm -hmm. Okay. So then the third system is that, unfortunately, it is inevitable that you cannot be this close to someone without having messes. And by messes, I mean that we hurt each other. Sometimes it's by not noticing something. Sometimes it's by being a little bit more harsh or unthinking. And that goes all the way up to like really actually hurting someone by letting them down in a huge way, disappointing them, affairs. Like there's lots of messes that couples create in their relationship. Mm -hmm. And that every couple needs repair tools to clean up those messes. Now, when you have a bunch of repair tools that you know work well, then you tend to clean up those messes as they happen. There's small things. Um, lots of times couples don't do that well. Um, and they do kind of set themselves up for having a really big crisis. Uh, when you don't clean up that stuff, sometimes people start to think, well, my partner doesn't really care about me. They don't love me. They won't. They don't care if I go and do this thing when mm -hmm. really they actually do care. I'm wondering when we talk about having the conversation as part of uh, the system, having the conversation versus versus just having the argument. And this doesn't mean that there isn't going to be conflict because as you said, we have our messes. We're human. <laughs> um, the question of effective communication and boundaries. What is What are some of your thoughts about how someone can set boundaries with their partner? One... One of the things that I, one of the tools that I sometimes use with couples is this idea that every couple has a list of words or a list of things or a way of interacting with each other that they know they can't say. Now, this is actually an individualized list, and rarely does a couple sit down and think about this or talk about this or even write it down unless we have this conversation. But it's it's a really, like when you mention it to people, they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, I know exactly what's on that list. Those are the things that when I say they send my partner through the roof. Mm. Uh, there are a lot of reasons why that could be. Some of them probably have nothing to do with your relationship. But there are specific things that you know are going to tank a conversation. There's also a lot of reasons why people would still use them, right? But when you think about what those reasons are, it, like that says a lot about what's happening in the relationship, that you would intentionally use something that you know is going to push your partner's buttons. Mm. That's not being allies. That's that's. I feel like you're my enemy and I need to fight you. So mm -hmm. I'm going to do that by hitting your 
your tender spots. Mm -hmm. So thinking about this doesn't, so it doesn't mean that you can't talk about topics. Like topics can't go on the list. But it does mean that if one of those topics usually sends you into a spiral, you need to be extra careful around that topic so that you can get through a, talking about a problem. So thing, so the communication skill is to really think about what are those things that diverts a conversation into an argument. And then when you get to dealing with one of those issues, making sure that you do pick the right time to talk about it. And you do come to that conversation when you're calm mm -hmm. and bringing your best conversational game to it where you stay curious and listen and try to understand your partner and their perspective before you start bulldozing with your own opinion. Mm. I like the idea of... <laughs> coming up with the list and knowing what's on the list. And so if I say something that's on the list, not in a way where I'm coming at it from a place of curiosity and I'd like to learn more to be able to under understand, but coming from a place of, I'm going to say this because I know it's going to push your button. I'm going to say this because I'm hurt and I'm upset in this moment. If we have a partner, if somebody has a partner who does that, who name calls a lot or who would say, oh, when I, uh, working as a therapist, when you hear clients mention um, that their partner said, well, it's over. Either they're going to leave the relationship or if they're married, they're going to get a divorce. When, when that happens, is there hope for the relationship? Well, absolutely. That's where that third system comes in. Now, what happens in an argument is that people try to push through a conversation that is already totally derailed. It's really hard to bring a derailed conversation back on track mm -hmm. and they just keep pushing through. So then their emotions are driving that conversation. Now, all of us sometimes get to that point. That's where the repair tools come in, that that's a mess that you created you now need to do something to clean that up. Mm. And so the most straightforward repair tool that most people can just like, yeah, that's a repair tool is to say you're sorry. Now, it is really important that you use a good apology because, you know, people kind of suck at apology. Apologizing. <laughs> I mean, have you ever gotten an apology and you thought, man, that was as bad as the thing that you did? Yeah. And it's like, well, I don't really know how to take this in this moment. <laughs> right. So you want a good apology, not just uh, I'm sorry, because mm -hmm. that doesn't really clean up or repair the mess. So a good apology. Is there another example of a repair tool? Um, again, repair tools can be very individual because what might repair for you might not be what repairs for your partner mm -hmm. and the level of relationship injury, how much that hurt might determine what kind of a repair tool you need to use. Mm -hmm. So some examples are you might do something extra special for your partner. You might uh, take their influence more. So like they really 
care about something deeply. And so you let them have more say in that because you know you handled it poorly. Mm -hmm. Um, It could be um, doing something nice like bringing them something that, that lets them know that you were thinking about them. Bring home a treat, bring home coffee, bring home something that says, I was thinking of you. And, and I feel like we didn't handle that well. Um, a hug can be a repair tool. Um, saying we're okay. So often we treat arguments like they are the barometer of the relationship. And sometimes just saying, yeah, we don't agree on that, but we're okay, mm-hmm. makes a huge difference in feeling connected and repairing that connection. Yeah. And remembering that we are allies, that we are partners. So we've had this argument and yet you and I are still okay. We still appreciate each other. We still love each other. And we can still have the type of relationship we want, even though we've had this argument. And so using these repair tools to help, as you said, clean up the messes. Versus, well, this is just, you know, this is it. This, this is it. And, and there's no going back. And maybe there's no going back and that's okay because we're, we get to decide how we want to start moving forward. Right. This happened in the context of a relationship. This is not the punctuation on the relationship. Mm. So one of the things that needs to go on every couple's list of things that they don't say to each other is, I'm done or this isn't working. I want a divorce. Now, you may be done. You mm-hmm. may be ready to file for divorce. But saying it in an argument or saying it that way really takes all of the weight away from what you're trying to convey. If you really think that, that needs to be a discussion based specifically on that not something that gets thrown in because you're feeling overwhelmed and agitated and frustrated in the moment. Hmm. And if somebody is saying, if, if one partner says that in a, or in an argument, well, I'm done, I'm over it. This is it. I don't want to be with you anymore. I'm, 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 I'm gone, but they don't really leave, but they're there's, they say it in an, or maybe they do leave, but they say it in an argument. What's an appropriate response from the other person? The best response is to notice that neither one of you are talking from a place of problem solving and to skillfully end that conversation. Now, mm-hmm. we all know how to end a conversation and slamming out the door and saying something mean to shut down the conversation like that. That is effective, but it's also harming the relationship at the mm-hmm. same time. So having a way to say, look, we're off track. If that's how you really feel, we, we need to talk about that, but not now. Like, let's take a break. Let's come back and talk about this later. Why don't we talk about this tomorrow when we both calm down? Let's talk about this on Saturday when we can minimize the distra- dis- distractions. We can get the kids involved in something. Neither of us are tired or hungry or in pain, and we can actually have a discussion and talk this through. Because if ending the relationship is really where you're headed, that's something that needs to be talked about, not thrown at the other person. Mm -hmm. Um, 
switching gears just a bit because we I realize we haven't talked about this yet, but was there anything in your background that helped to inform the work that you do with couples? Oh, you know, I'd love to say <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, but um, as I look back on the path that I have been on, um, my parents' relationship had a big impact. Um, I was married early on for a very brief period uh, in a relationship that fell apart. And then I am in a, I'm married now. I've been married for 20 years and have a very different relationship than either of those other relationships, my parents or my first marriage. Mm -hmm. Um, So that has all informed me. My parents had a good relationship as in they loved each other dearly. They did not have well-working systems for all three of those. And so I grew up knowing that they loved each other, but also knowing that that didn't always look pretty and they, they didn't always bring out the best in each other. Mm-hmm. I could probably pull out a whole bunch of other threads of what has informed me. Um, from where I stand now, I think I have a lot of wisdom about what works and what doesn't. Some came from my own life and some came from my clients' lives. Some came from friends' lives. Um, but as a student of relationships, I I really try to understand what's happening for both people in the relationship so that I can help them find a, find the pathway to to that really great relationship. Mm. So when a couple, when I meet a couple and they're in crisis, I don't want to just take them back to the best place in their relationship. I really want them to have something better than what they have experienced in previous stages. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what I was getting at earlier when I was saying how it's okay to not go back to what, the old normal was or what we thought was good because the future moving forward could be so much better than that when you learn the tools to have a healthier relationship, a successful relationship and loving relationship. Um, And so I think that's great. So I'm just curious about how your relationship was with your parents when you were younger and if that relationship played a part in how you showed up in some of your adult relationships, your relationship as an adult with other um, individuals or with your your partner, your former partner and or your current um, partner? Well, I'm sure it did. Um, I would say that it showed up a lot in my first marriage because we were so young. We, We didn't even think about what it would be like to interact and what would be a a way of interacting that would be good. Um, I think one of the things that I had to learn this, and this has to do with my relationship with my parents, that a lot of people have to learn or relearn is how to deal with their emotions. Um, I, 
I guess I learned that it was my partner's responsibility to help me deal with my emotions rather than taking responsibility for them myself. Mm. And so that first marriage was really messy in trying to share what I felt and then feeling like it wasn't received in a kind and loving way. And then having that just kind of blow up. And what I really needed to do, and hopefully I've learned to do that much better. I don't, I don't have the same sort of marriage with my second husband, um, is to, to stop and take ownership of those feelings and realize that I am the one who's responsible for soothing them and processing them so that I can come back to this relationship um, without all of these really sensitive spots and hair triggers, um, these, these places that just could blow up really without much, without much pushing or ignition on that. I'm glad you brought that up because I think something that people, a lot of people feel, especially if they haven't had the tools or, or, um, they haven't, they didn't have, um, positive examples of healthy relationships where they feel that their, their partner is supposed to complete them. Their partner is supposed to take care of their emotions. Their partner is supposed to make them happy. And, you know, when I, when I hear that, (laughs) I'm always taken aback by it because I'm like, hmm, when did we learn that this was the case? When did we learn that our partners were supposed to complete us? Our partners were supposed to make us happy. When did we learn that versus I get to feel like a complete person with or without my significant other? I also get to be happy and have joy. And it's not anybody else's responsibility to ensure that I experience these emotions. Any thoughts on that? As I heard you say that, I was just struck with how, uh, at least in the U.S., we're such an individualistic bootstrap sort of society, and we really expect people to put in their own individual hard work. But then Mm -hmm. when it comes to emotions... We're like, oh, my partner is supposed to soothe me and yeah. and like not push my buttons and help me when I feel overwhelmed so that I stop feeling overwhelmed or angry or frustrated. And that just is really out of sync mm-hmm. with the rest of our society and, and those expectations. I never even thought about it that way, but I agree with that 100% where in every other aspect, it is very individualistic. Versus this, you know, when when we talk about emotions and relationships, it's, well, you, you handle this and not even just romantic partnerships. When we talk about emotions in general, well, you made me so angry. You upset me. You did this to me. And it's always putting the ownership on the other person versus owning what it is that we're experiencing ourselves. It's a powerful point. Yeah. Yeah, I just put that together also. This is the power of having communication, that we hear someone else say something, and then we put these pieces together and start to understand more about ourselves. Yeah, 
Yeah, it's great. No, I love it. I am curious to hear how you work with couples now, the type of work that you do. I am still a psychotherapist. I actually have two businesses that sit side by side now. So the psychotherapist is limited to couples who are in West Virginia. They tend to be a much higher conflict um, population. People usually come to me because they're in crisis. I also have a second coaching business, and it's also focused on couples. But the way I work with couples in that business is through support and teaching and um, helping them really break out of this complacency that we all seem to get into in our relationships. After we've committed, it's like we stop putting that extra energy into the relationship. So that's where these relationship habits can really transform that relationship from just kind of going through the motions to actually feeling connected and close and feeling like you're working in tandem with each other, not enmeshed, but in tandem. Like you, this is your part, this is my part, and we do it in a coordinated effort in our relationship. So um, I have a, I have a few, a few ways that I do that with couples. Um, I do some coaching one-on-one, and I am building a program for couples to do some intensive where they'd get a lot of my time and attention, but it wouldn't be one-on-one. The latest thing that I'm really excited about is I have started a community on Facebook to, to encourage couples to spend some time together. It's called date night community. And in it, I encourage couples. uh, We have a few different ways, but it's um, it helps you be a little bit accountable. It's not to make you feel guilty if you can't spend time with your partner, but it's to remind you each week that this is really important. You want to put aside some time to spend with your partner. Mm-hmm. Date night doesn't mean you have to get dressed up and leave the house and have a sitter and all of that. Date night means that you commit to spending a little bit of time one-on-one with your partner, even if you stay in the house. So. That I'm really excited about because I hope that becomes more of a movement of people who are committed to building their relationship over time. Yeah, that sounds like a great idea. And so this is housed in a Facebook group, you said? That is. Date night. It's date night community is the name of it. Date night community. I think that's great. Yeah. And so you'll do what? Some trainings in the group and... Ideas on connecting. It is a free group. There's a couple things that run every week, and then I'll I drop other things in. One is um, I have a date night thread, and I encourage everybody to take a picture of themselves on a date or what they're doing and drop it in that thread, because it's encouraging to other couples to see that they are. They're among a bunch of people who are all trying to build their relationship. It also gives people different ideas about things that they could do to connect with their partner. I also include a set of uh, conversation cards for each week so that 
it, they're, they're questions that get you guys to connect in a different way than you typically would. Brings in different topics, brings in more engagement. Um, and so I, I give a different set of questions each week right before the date night thread um, posts. Awesome. And then I also have questions to get you to think about your relationship and what are the strengths of it and what are to do some reminiscing about how you connected in the first place. Um, so it's a collection of those kinds of encouragement and support. Um, I also go live and we'll talk about something that a trend that I'm noticing or or something that I think would be helpful to the group. I think that's great. I love that. And it's a perfect um, transition into recapping. And you mentioned some something that you post in the group is has to do with building or having um, strong relationships. And I think this will be a nice recap of what you've mentioned. So take it away with qualities of a healthy and strong relationship. Okay. So if I had a formula for a great relationship, it would be two personalities that come together to figure out how to live well together. And they need to have three systems that run well. They need to have relationship habits that they practice usually on a daily basis. They need to have a system for working through differences between the two of them. And they have to have a way of cleaning up messes when they happen because those messes are inevitable. So they, we have to accept that they're going to happen and then be planful about it. Awesome. Now, is there anything else that you want to share that you think would be helpful that maybe I didn't ask you about, but you're like, nope, Shakia, we got to get this in there. If you take nothing else away from this conversation, I hope you hear how important it is to do these little things. Mm. Now, you can pick which little things are easiest for you. Like, this shouldn't feel like a chore. This should be like, oh, that's that moment when I get to. Okay. Don't skip those little things, do them regularly regularly. Don't let the good parts of the relationship get eclipsed by problems or disconnection. Do those things. Yeah. Awesome. 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 Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for hanging out with me and uh, talking to us about building healthy relationships. I think you gave great suggestions. And I love the last point of remembering to do the little things. Or if we don't take anything else from the conversation, remember to do the little things. But also what I loved, I enjoyed the entire conversation, is the fact that we all have mess. <laughs> You're going to have um, a mess sometimes and it's not the end of the world. That's okay. And this is why we utilize the tools so that it doesn't stay messy, but the mess isn't the end of the world. That's something that stuck out for me. And this, and this is especially for all of our perfectionists and overthinkers who <laughs> 
who don't do well with mess, <laughs> but things get messy and, and that's okay. This is why we have tools. And this is why you can work with people like Sherry to help give you those tools. Thank you so much for having me. I think that is a great last recap because I often forget that that's something that most people, most people think if there's a mess, there's a big problem and we're on the wrong track. Mm-hmm. But a mess just means that you didn't handle something well. Mm-hmm. And we don't handle things well all the time. I don't mm-hmm. handle things well all the time. Yeah. I mean, I, I got to admit it. I don't need to know. <laughs> I, I guess I don't either. No, but, <laughs> but yeah, we don't handle things well all the time. And that's, and that's okay. Yeah. Awesome. 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 Thank you again. I'm going to put all of your, uh-oh, all of your um, information in the show notes. Thanks for joining us this week on the Aligned and Free Show. Remember to head on over to bit.ly forward slash aligned and free so that you can grab your free manifestation check and join our email list. Check us out on Instagram at alignedandfree.co for more information on the Aligned and Free Show. As always, subscribe to the show to catch every new episode and leave us a review so that we can continue to bring you amazing content. See you next week.